Hey, Austin. Hi, Kieran. Hi. Hello. So today there's three of us in the studio. It's three elves in a studio. It almost sounds like the beginning of a joke. <laughs> How many elves do you need to change a light bulb? <laughs> three elves it's walked three. into the bar. <laughs> uh, I think the answer to that is, is three elves sit there and a hobbit does it. <laughs> yes. Damn it, Austin. Yes, that was my point. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kieran Trace. Welcome to Humans Decoded, a story of hobbits, fairies, elves, dwarfs, gnomes, and humans. If you get lost at any point, there is a deep dive on all the different avatars in episode one. It includes notes. Thank you for joining us in a fun little chat about the vast potential of our human makeup. We have Austin Peters in the studio today. Austin is a producer of the podcast, and he's joining Leela Suter and myself as we look um, very directly at what it's like to unfold into our avatars. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a minute. <laughs> so you've heard. <laughs> it's three elves right now coming together and just because we're the same type of avatar we're still pretty diverse as a little group and I want to talk a little bit about atypical elf things in yourself Austin before we talk about your typical elfness do you have anything that comes to mind as atypical yeah well I feel like I just to give the people a bit of background about <coughs> me me, I feel, I was talking before with you guys, I feel as though I have a lot of gnome conditioning. I grew up in a pretty gnomey household in, in the middle of the woods on a ground floor um, <laughs> with uh, artist parents. And um, that informed a lot of like how I did things as a kid. Uh, but after sort of learning about these concepts and sort of starting to embody them. It's been, it's probably been five or six years since I've been introduced to any of this work. Yeah. I've realized that elfiness for me is very much about context over content. And it's a lot about how I do things, not what I do. Um, and that sort of has been showing up lately as um, strategy. And I like to do a lot of things. People who know me, like I'm, I'm, I'm really into music I'm a composer. I run a company. I help run a company that I've done nearly every single job inside of that company. I've also done nearly every single job inside of my all of my art projects, including you know the meditations that I do, uh, Simple Being, and inside of my band. So what I'm noticing is showing up for me is like in the how I do things. So because I've 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 always wanted to like do everything. Like I always want to learn how to come how to compose the whole song or how to like mix all the music or I want to like learn how to art direct a company or like work on a festival or work behind the scenes with a band or work on the production. I've sort of done all of that. What I'm learning to do more is just pass the work on instead of getting like locked into it. Like I think about my, my job at my company that I've been at for 10 years now, over 10 years. I've, I've done almost every job in that company. But what I love about it is it keeps challenging me and I keep growing within it where I'm just like evolving out of the thing and not sticking with 
the one thing I know how to do. And there's plenty of people that I work with that have like stuck with the one thing they know how to do with the company the whole time. And they're really good at it and it's really satiating for them. But for me, it's always been this like upward evolution of like, okay, I get it. I know how it works. Now I can integrate it in my strategy in, in terms of like how to direct it or how to talk about it or even how to like have some compassion and, and uh, for the people that do the job that I'm able to sort of, I don't know. That's that's how the elfiness feels for me. Is it's all this strategy. I think that's interesting, yeah. Because you're kind of absorbing the way a gnome would, but then but then it moves into that elf system. So it's a deep absorption of of lots of detail or different aspects of the positions. Um, but it allows you to just deep to have more strategy when you're moving. Yeah. And it was difficult to like come into that because it felt like what uh, what I wrestled with the most was the responsibility aspect. Like it's my responsibility to do these things. If I'm not showing that I can do something, then I'm not, you know, it's like it brings up all of this unworthiness. Mm. Um, And that was really cool to, I mean, I always worked through that, but that's what I've let go of the most in all of this is it's not really actually my job and my role. Um, and I can, like, other people are so happy to do it. It's such a win, win, win. If I can sit more in, like, the producer seat, strategist seat. Ah, uh, so growing up as a gnome, you absorb the sense of I have to be the one to sort of execute every single detail, every single, you know, saturation of the of the thing. And then that was really difficult up against an elf na- nature, which generally isn't the executor, is more the visionary and the strategy. Um, yeah, I mean, the confusing part is I was so I was so praised for it, you know, like <laughs> it was like, oh, Austin could do all this cool stuff, like, you know, like he can do everything, he, do, he can do everything, like he's a he's a jack of all trades, and I'm like, as I got, as I got older and I realized all this stuff, it's like, yeah, but that's not true, like a lot of it wasn't mm. true, and I think if someone had saw the true movement of like me being more visionary, that it would have been a different path for me, but you know. Mm-hmm. Here we are. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting too. I love I love the part you bring up about this idyllic childhood. Or I'm throwing the word projection idyllic, but it's like in the woods, yeah. on the ground floor, artist parents. Um but it just shows yeah. like the con the container isn't the context, you know, and yeah. Any any kind of shape can look like anything depending on how the avatar inhabits it as as you were sort of saying earlier like there's a very mm-hmm. big range that any of us can inhabit but it's how we are inhabiting it. And if we're trained by these gnomes to inhabit that that environment this one way, it's you pick up that conditioning. Um Yep. It's so interesting. And I love what you're illustrating here Austin that you don't have to like throwing out or or <laughs> working away or shedding the conditioning doesn't mean that you have to get rid of, you know, certain things that might look know me, but you can, as you were saying, you can integrate it. And as Kieran was pointing out, like it's integrated. It's not, um, as we would say, like throwing out the kid with the bath water, I think, if that's an English saying. Maybe with the bath water. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> and I wonder, Kieran, is there anything... Like in you that you would call atypical for an elf or you're just such a pure elf, there's nothing atypical in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know that um, 
even even I, who is so so pure, has some atypical. And I, I come across it in the same way. There's conditioning. I had this extremely violent um, childhood, and you know the the not safe belief systems and injustice belief systems are very very activated. Tracking constantly, tracking every single detail, um, and you know as that heals off and shedded and, and moved away over the years, it left a very groundedness um, that's that's kind of atypical for um, for elves, I would say. That mm. that uh, there's no there's not the same vigilance unless my not safe is being triggered in any moment, but that, but that's considerably diminished. And so there's, there's, but there, but there was this capacity that I like, that wasn't real or wasn't true that I forced, you know, that was Mm. forced on me. And, you know, so it's sort of like, you know, I I don't know what the analogy is. It's like, if you're a Nazi, you know, if you've survived a Nazi prison camp, it, it forced capacities for survival Mm -hmm. on you but then later and and we don't have a lot of data about the true healing in our whole society about anything let alone extreme conditions we're not very good as a as a society yet at tracking data of healing processes but enormous amounts of healing processes going on with me and I'm but I'm still left with a capacity this enormous capacity and so I think that's something people notice about me um a lot is the ability to be like profoundly practical and grounded with and but tracking enormous amount of information in detail and being able to just be very grounded and practical around all that mm-hmm. um and so i'd say that that's a little atypical mhm hmm. the both being grounded and super practical right yeah yeah, yeah that's more hobbity or dwarfy so um, let's look yeah. at like typical elf things in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, can you remember a like the moment you heard or maybe realized that you are an elf? I think I've told this story in like the first one of the first three episodes of the podcast, but uh like I was working I worked with Meg primarily for a long time. Um and when I, it was introduced to me that I was an elf, like I was ecstatic because I related it to uh, Link from the Link from the Legend of Zelda. It was like my favorite video game character, and then Legolas, of course, from of Lord of the Rings, who was, who, who was my favorite character in um, in uh, Lord of the Rings, and also uh, Prince Ashitaka from uh, Princess Mononoke. I think is an elf too. Uh, and I immediately went to him like it's it's these it was these like sort of like whimsical boyish male characters that were like heroes journey people um, and kind of always had like this calm strategy to the way they did everything you know like everything was so methodical and so well executed it was like it was like like they would move in Aikido Hmm. all the time through everything they did and I was I always thought that was like just so cool so I, I didn't really I liked it, and then I just listened for I don't know two or three years, and just kept the information just kept coming in. I really feel like it's settled recently, maybe with this podcast, but also 
the it's I'm going back to the word strategy. Like that word for some reason clicked in the last year for me that that is kind of what the purpose of an elf is in a lot of ways in whatever field they're in is that like they can they can put forward this immense amount of strategy and I'm like now I'm looking at my life going like where is strategy? Like where is more strategy? How does strategy work here? How does it work here? How does it work there? And I think that has been uh pretty uh transformative for me for sure. Can you give an example for that, what that looks like? Like as you're discovering, okay, strategy is sort of my <laughs> fulfillment. What does that yeah. look like in a, in a practical way? I think, rec- well, recently example was, um, it's a lot of information gathering. Um, and so like uh, the most re- like practical example is I'm playing a, a, f- a couple of shows in Europe and the UK next in this year. And it's the first time I've ever done anything like that. But what I'm wanting to do is approach it with strategy so that everybody wins, including me, including my band, including the people we're going to play for. And so it's all this information gathering from a place of like, um, this is what feels really good. And I know this is real. There's no panic to it. It's just like a, okay, here's this step, and then here's this step, and then here's this step. And if I can see 10 steps ahead, I'll be able to do that. And then I want to be able to go over here on a call to my bandmates and be like, here's my 10-step process for what we need to do next. So everybody can share in the vision, and we all agree that this is this is the way forward. And so that is that was one way of thinking about that, where I think, because I've planned tours and stuff before in my life, from, not from that place at all from a very a place of like this is a great opportunity we're just going to do it and we're going we're going to figure it out <laughs> uh, um and and I didn't want to do that this time I wanted to like have the information I wanted to really get the picture and be able to strategize within that container that was being created around me so it's like I go to all I I I'm all these people are coming up underfoot now who are able to give me information about what it's like to rent a van, what it's like to get a driver's license, what it's like to, you know, get European power for your pedal boards, like, you know, stuff like that, where all the information is so much more clearer than it was. And I feel like the bases are being covered. And I'm also like, there's enough grace here. I'm like, there's going to be things that I don't know that are going to happen, but that's fine. Like we, you know, we can roll with that. So it's not like this, Look, I'm not looking for control in the situation. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, yeah. for just like good strategy so that we can set ourselves up as best as possible to do something we love to do. Yeah. I suppose it's really tempting to, <laughs> um, I don't know, let the strategizing or the, the, um, quote unquote, it's all fine, be a way to to check out and then be like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to look at European power things and blah, 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 blah. Whereas actually it is true to get this information and, and yeah. 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 Yep. And yeah. often it happens like really quickly. Like I'll know the information I have to get and it's just a matter of like one email or like one phone call or like I sit down for one hour and make a spreadsheet. Like it's not much 
to strategize, you know, like I, I don't, and I don't like think about it every waking second. Like it doesn't consume me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. It doesn't kind of just like, like let go of the control here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not a controller who is doing this, right? It's that organic blueprint movement that comes out of Austin. Yeah. Yeah, this is how I like to move. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Do you see any changes in the way you interact with the world, the world interacts with you, um, relationships and stuff? Yeah. As you deepen into your elfness? Yes and no. I mean, I mean, I just feel more like myself than anything. Um, there's a permission there that I've gotten to know more and more. And it comes out like in all kinds of, of ways. Um, yeah, it's as though like I've, I have a, a, a new sense of freedom of how to just be myself in the world. And there is an Austin-ness, but there is inside of an Austin-ness, there is an elfiness to the way I do things. Uh, and the more I sit in that the easier and freer my life gets the people around me become freer and more and i'm able to communicate with them in a different kind of way um you know like you know learned a lot from you know kieran and just about like how to like i work for kieran like i've I've to not only learn how to work with an elf but to communicate with one and it inspires me to communicate to other people in certain ways where kieran's a really direct person and um the directness can often be interpreted as personal, but it hardly ever is. And cut like feeling like having that come come towards come to me and receiving that, and then sifting through my my personal shit with it, and then coming out the other side, going like, "Oh, I actually see how I can implement this in my life, mm-hmm. so that I'm able to give clear direction and all this stuff." You know, like it's just all kinds of ways where I'm sort of mm. noticing. And also just like how I communicate with the other avatars. Like I have a lot of gnomes in my band. They make great musicians. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the best musicians. <laughs> and they make really good people who want to like take musical direction, you know. And mm. they're like so happy to take the musical direction. Um, I work with a lot of gnomes at my at my job, which is in music production and video. And like, again, uh, like gnomes and gnomes and hobbits, like it's, we've got a plethora of them. And, and I work, I also work like, working for an elf you know like and he's just so strategy based so i'm just inspired by like looking around in the Mm. world and noticing like who do i really like the way they do things what's their avatar how do i relate to that Mm -hmm. maybe we want to hear a bit from kieran right she's she's in her elfness for a couple of years maybe a decade i don't know (laughs) the longest from all of us um what did you notice, like as in the way you interact with others and the world from that deep, deep, deep authentic being place? Um, yeah, Leela, I think um, being my much more comfortable as my elfie self, um, I, 
I know there's a speed I'm moving at that may not be the same speed that others are moving at. (laughs) And I'm also aware that I'm picking up details. And then, you know, as Austin said, like, like I'm someone who's just a real straight shooter. I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of language on things to, to, to deal with potential assumptions. Like I, like as an awakened (laughs) being, I just, I just cannot use language like that. I can only just say what's true. Um, Mm -hmm. And although I'm a, you know, an effective communicator, it's a, it's a direct way. And and so I'm just speaking the strategy. So one of the things I love so much is for instance, like I live in a household and for a lot of years um, with other avatars, you know? And so, you know, last night at dinner, there's like two hobbits making dinner and me, and they were really in their hobbity self, which was, you know, just sort of pottering uh, without a clear direction known, <laughs> but everybody was hungry. <laughs> um, and it was great because I could just sit and finish something I was finishing, but sort of call out directions. Um, mm. And you know, I, I love that position, especially, you know, like in my own living experience where there's um, often lots of folks around um, and I live with a lot of people. And and so there's like this beautiful way that all these avatars can come together. And then when everybody just sits in the pureness of that avatar, um, there's like this really cool collaborative movement that happens. Um and I, so I love that. And I, I'll, and I love to be able to just like really sit back and be like, I'm going to be, you know, super direct and clear and, you know, call out the strategy and then you'll do the execution and then you'll do the, you know, like, you know, like sometimes when it's, you know, the fairy, it's like, and, and the fairy puts on the music and dances <laughs> and has a great flourish when they're whipping the eggs, you know, and, and the hobbits are really interested in like cleaning the kitchen and clearing it while it's being made and, and touching everything. Um, and maybe, you know, like just having these different <laughs> avatars and, and there's a sweet way that over the course of that meal prep, people are sitting more and more and more in their avatar. Uh, and there's just such a hum of harmony and joy inside of that space, you know? And so almost, you know, we, we make dinner at, at here at my house every night as a, as a group. Um, and there's always just this joy, you know, like just a kind of a, a sweet joy um, that, that that's there. And that's, those are the moments where I'm like, oh, everybody just purely their own avatar. Um, mm. is delicious. And I, and you know, both you and Austin have been here at those moments, sometimes those moments, prepping dinner, Austin making, you know, smash burgers or Lila, you know, like, yeah. and, and somebody else is like filming that moment or something like, like the experience of just that, like just the play, the play that can happen in mm. everyday living. Like this orchestra just so beautifully coming together and everybody's playing their instrument but together it produces this incredible uh, soundscape house and <laughs> yeah we want you to yeah there you go <laughs> just a musical reference i mean we want everyone to like stick in their own delicious right because it benefits everybody if they can like find where they fit in the world it just 
everybody wins. They win, you know, the people around them win, their insides win, you know, like as difficult as that may seem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, we're always inviting that to decoders is to like just really hear your own yes and notice, yeah. you know, that there's space for that. There's real space. And then just like, you know, we, we talk a lot and teach a lot about like in those li- in the living environment where it's your home life or your we- work life, like taking the pressure off yourself to know that there's room for your yes inside of that. And, and if you can identify it and if you can hear it, there's room for it. Mm. I love that. There's room for your yes. Your full elfness doesn't take away from somebody else's full whatever fairiness or gnomeness or anything yeah yeah and you want to be around people who like want your yes right like you also need that aspect where it's like you you know people that don't want your yes it's like enough already (laughs) (laughs) enough already (laughs) um i want to we've talked a little bit we've touched upon that um subject of conditioning or rising or atypical things that we can come across as we sort of sit deeper into our avatars. Has there been anything for you, Austin, that you were surprised to discover as, ooh, oops, this is conditioning. This is not actual me. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about yeah. it or is it too heavy? No, no, <laughs> it's you not too heavy here. I'm, I'm, No, it's good. Uh, I mean, just the opposite of the strategy thing is like do everything, right? And and so for a lot of my life, I was doing everything. You know, like the hardest I ever worked at my job that I currently have, where it was like, you know, like it, it, it was it was effort. Was when um, we used to do a music festival. We did it for like six years. And I was the art director on the music festival. Um, and the music festival wasn't run from delicious. So let's just start with that. Um, but to have my role be something that is, that was not very strategic. I mean, director could be strategic, but I wasn't looking at it that way. I was looking at it as like, I got to do everything. Mm. I got to fucking think about all this stuff. I got to organize this. I got to do that. And it would just all be on, it felt like it was all on me. You know, um, I remember, do, I mean, and it would be these like amazing festivals. Like we would, we would put like Lizzo on our festival. Like it was, it was not, not just, it was not what? some small festival. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, this is before Lizzo was Lizzo, you know, in the way that we know her now, but we would, we would have these huge lineups mm. and I would expect at the end to feel this like, oh my God, how amazing was that? Like, I feel so good and accomplished I remember one year at the after party, I remember going outside and I just sat on the curb and I just had a fucking breakdown. <laughs> I was just sobbing, uh, sitting there and mm-hmm. everyone's inside having the time of their lives. And I was like, something's wrong here. Like, this is not the way this should be. <laughs> this, this is not the way this has to go. Um, and it's because the whole thing for me was just run from like a, a, a not good enough place. Um, and... But to the outside, I have like a 
a dream position. Mm-hmm. I'm an art director at a music festival that these amazing musicians are playing at. Anyone in the world would want that, you know? Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you just got to do all these things. But when it's not true, it takes a toll on you, no matter what it is, you know? And I think that letting go of some of that stuff has been, you know, the mm-hmm. sort of like oopsie for me. Because <laughs> uh, never again, you know? And the way I would approach something like that now would be so much different and so much more spacious and like i i and i currently do approach stuff like that it's not like i don't work with le- artists at that level anymore um it's just the way i approach them is it's just so much different mm-hmm. and there's more spaciousness for everybody in it i've noticed and mm-hmm. like the work also does better like once we release it like the work we make is if it's funneled from delicious yes like it has a, it has a ripple effect even on like something as like silly as a youtube analytic you know it it funnels from his funnel, some delicious. Yes, the views are better. Like, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, there's that win for everybody, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. An oopsie moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I love hearing yeah. like it would be so different today. Um, it's just like you know, like as we do the self inquiry, as we shed the conditioning, as we're on our own journeys. You know, it's so beautiful to recognize, like, how different things are today versus where they were before. Yeah, big time. Big time. And I think it always, like, I have this, like, natural question all the time. Well, I mean, it's, it's what started this whole process for me, which was, like, suffering so badly at one point and then asking the question to myself, this can't be all this is, like, life, you know? Like, this can't be what this is. This doesn't make sense. And that just springing forth all of this other stuff, including the avatars and coming more into true nature. I mean, I imagine a lot of people that listen to this podcast have a similar question going on. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Do you have anything to add to that, Kieran? An oopsie moment from yourself or... Oh, yeah, I would love to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I mean, I'm sure there's lots. And if I sat and thought about it, there's probably lots. So stay tuned for more episodes where I share more oopsies. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, for me, you know, the one I think immediately is around food. Such a pressure I felt all the time to eat more plant-based foods. Oh yeah. <laughs> Eating more vegetables. And you know, I when I that. was um when I was 20, I I became a vegan. I thought it was very cool to do this. I guess I can't remember what the the <sighs> I mean, elves are pretty cool. You could make veganism cool, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I became a vegan, and I managed to stay a vegan for four years, and I was so ill. Oh, my God. I mean, I was sick. Dude, no kidding. And I I had all the cookbooks. I did it so smart, you know, like, and and I'm an elf, so I strategize. And elves, you know, one of the things elves loves is like supplements and hacking yeah. the the health situation. You know, we, we're the best, you know, like like health hackers. You know, like like the like 
you know, the Tim Ferrises and the, you know, like what, like what is the most effective and most efficient. And so I was doing all that with veganism. Like I wasn't, I wasn't the grilled cheese maven, you know, in French fries. I was like the chickpeas and all the pea proteins and all the, you know, and getting this huge amounts of protein and, you know, like getting over a hundred grams of protein in, in the day. And, you know, like, and I was so sick. I was like anemic. I couldn't, my sleep was terrible. The aches and pains in my body, <laughs> you know, like digestive issues. I mean, it was not <laughs> for me. And it took me a long time. I mean, I was, you know, pretty dumb then and, and pretty traumatized. And, you know, and the world says mm. this is the diet, you know, the diet for new America. Like, so I really bought into the collective pressure that this is one a way for for really good health and two a way to like really you know like do your part for the planet and the world and three um you know like just like in our young you know you know it's when we were 20 and we're young we're like we're like I want to do it my way and I'm going to change the world you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just got so sick. And uh Oh no. Yeah. And it was here here's the funny story cuz I was in the Yukon. Um the Yukon territories in Canada. It's beside Alaska. Those of you that are listening and don't really know it. And I was in Whitehorse, which is the capital city of the Yukon, and a friend of mine called and she was up in a small remote town. Um and a lot of the Yukon, like a lot of the small remote towns are by remote it's like a 16 hour drive without a gas station without a you know like on rutted roads or fly-in only and and some an accident happened and they needed me to to bring a vehicle up to to ross river this um this community and so i had to drive like whatever two days up um to to drop this and when i arrived they had just hunted caribou because in the yukon it's a, it's very hunting uh the aboriginal way is still governed by most of the community whether it's a white community or a native community um and so they had just they, there had been a caribou hunt and they have these meat lockers and the community can't like the they hunt the animals and they go in these community meat lockers and then anybody in the community can just go and get their meat. Um, and so they just shot a caribou. So the, most of the community had a caribou roast. So as you drove into Ross river, the smell of this cooking mm. caribou that just floated through the air of just, you know, like a Sunday <laughs> roast kind of smell to a, a very <laughs> ill vegan, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I pulled in and I was exhausted um, from drive, having to drive up to this, this town. And I, I, you know, land at my friend's place and we walk in and, and you know, the elders are greeting me like, you know, so so good you, ca- you came, you know, have a sit, sit down. And I sit down and they put the caribou in front of me and I ate it. <laughs> I ate, you did. I ate, I, like, wow. I ate from four years of vegan to like I, a pound of caribou meat immediately. Yeah. No transition. Hell yeah. And I slept so well. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how was your sleep? I was just going to ask, how was your sleep? My it's like, yep. So was- much better. So much better. And then slowly over the next few weeks, it wasn't very long. The aches and the pains left and and the digestion started to get better. Yeah. You gave up veganism again? <laughs> it was done. A pound of caribou. Mm. <laughs> that was the end of that. 
<laughs> Great. Great. Oopsie. What about you, Leela? <laughs> my my caribou moment? Yeah, your caribou <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh. I think the hardest one was to recognize the whole, like, I'm so grounded, I'm so balanced, I'm so centered, um, to, like, let that be seen through as conditioning and, you know, pain body holding that upright, <laughs> as opposed to actual authentic just... Leeloying or elfness moving. Not to say, again, like it's, it's similar to what you've shared in the beginning, Austin, about integrating all the, the gnome things you've picked up. Like I'm not throwing all of it um, away in sort of a counter, I don't know, counter action, but just seeing, okay, what's actually true versus... Um, yeah, what, what isn't? And then the being grounded looks slightly different these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I loved hearing your oopsie moments and all of your beautiful descriptions of how you're selling or how you're deepening your elfness, both from you, Austin, and you, Kieran, of course. And I wonder, do we already have a like a little teaser for the next show, Kieran? Or yeah, I think this is so fun. Like we can just keep bringing some more folks in, and so um, let's let's keep this conversation going. Awesome to talk to you, Austin. Thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you so much, Leela. So welcome. Thank you. And um, we'll meet you here next week. Same time, same place. So you can listen to some of Austin's music on our Sounds Bath album. Austin created this beautiful ambient soundscape with the Kieran Trace community. They were spilling presence into the recording at our last year's retreat. Um, it's such a beautiful recording. I love it so much. Austin, what was it like for you? I just, I love the track so much. How was the experience for you? The experience was uh, pretty amazing. I'd never, first of all, gotten to record music like this out in California where I had to fly all my my fun gear and uh, and then also be amongst people that like really knew how to sit with me in, in, in presence in silence and kind of let me do my thing while they also sort of did their thing we would um, could wake up super early I would go into a big room and I would just start playing um, really trying to settle in from a place of silence in myself and people would filter into the room and people were meditating, stretching, um, you know, lying around. Um, and it was just like, it was just so much fun. 
to to make and it's like just an awesome way to start every day so I'm so happy that we were able to record them in the way that we did and uh, and then package them all up for everybody to listen to because they are like you said they're just infused with so much good silence and I think there's like six of them so yeah they're they're amazing I listen to them all the time it's about four hours long, the album, and it's really just a perfect companion for meditation, a long drive, unwinding after a busy day, or like we use it, a morning practice, whether it's yoga practice or for us it's leaning into silence and truth. Um, I just can't say enough about it. I play it all the time, um, especially when I'm writing. I do a lot of writing, so um, it's really beautiful having it play in the background. And you can pick it up at the Kieran Trey shop page. The link is below. Uh, we also link to um, the um, newest album of Austin's music, so you can check that out. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter list because in a couple of days, we'll be opening the doors to retreat. The retreat's always in July every year, but we open the registration in February because we usually sell out by the end of March. Um, or close to sell out. So come and hang out with us this summer um, in July. I think it's the 7th to the 13th, but the details are in the newsletter, which is also linked below if you're not currently signed up. Thank you for listening. We obviously love hearing what you think. Your feedback helps us make a better show for you to listen to. So feel free to comment and you can do it at Facebook, which is the Humans Decoded Podcast. And um, if you're not on social, you can always email any questions to us at outreach at kierantrace.com. And um, thanks for listening. We love you.